From Marine to heart-centered leader, Ben Colloy shares his journey into personal development and how he began to be a blogger, podcaster, speaker, and coach to help bring every dad home. Two of my favorite things he said was when you connect with someone at the heart level, more mountains are moved within that organization than when you focus on the strategy. Strategy is only going to get you so far. And he also said, how you dictate happiness is how you dictate success. Stay tuned to Ben's incredible story. You don't want to miss it. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. And today, my guest is the incredible Ben Colloy. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you very much for having me on. I've been looking forward to this conversation. And I know we had a few scheduling conflicts, but I'm excited that we finally were able to make it happen. Well, and it's so fun to finally sit down and talk to you again since we met in person back in, you know, before the corona hit. So back in March at Military Creator Con. So thank you. For Seems like here. years ago. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. And yet it was just, you know, several months ago, four months ago, and it's just been, you know, gangbusters ever since. So I'm so glad that we're one in a mastermind together and, you know, we're, we're part of the military creator con group as well. So it's kind of, I haven't really thought about it, but it, that uh, pod fest of the, this year in 2020 will be kind of like our last memory of normal as far mm. as like conference and what we remember or until we get to go to another conference, like we'll always remember, we always had pod fest. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, you're right. Because travel was, you know, really free back then, free flowing, no masks yeah. and stuff like that. So absolutely, you're, you're, you're right about that. I didn't even think about it. And the only precaution you had was a dot on your badge that if you didn't want to get hugged or handshaked. Which I totally did not listen to any of those dots. <laughs> and I didn't realize it until afterwards, like, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I, I shook your hand or I hugged you. Is that, is that okay? Are you okay with that? And they're like, oh, yeah. So that's too funny. We've gone a long way from a blue dot. <laughs> exactly. Very true. So for those of you who don't know, Ben Colloy is a U.S. Marine veteran turned blogger, life coach, speaker, and podcaster whose mission is to bring military veteran dads home to their families. Ben understands the dynamics of being a father and a veteran as he and his wife have three children. Ben went through what most transitioning veterans go through, the feeling of needing to redefine their identity outside of the structure of the military and rediscovering your passion and purpose for life. A seminar changed it all for him and allowed him to discover his passion for leadership and helping other veterans and dads to be the best parents they can. Since that seminar, he has been on a mission to master leadership principles and use his passion for leadership to help dads understand who they are, develop their skills to overcome adversity, and to their own life choices to enable them to truly come home to their families. And you can find out more about him at militaryveterandad.com. So Ben, what an incredible story and I can't wait to dive in. And I always like to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? Investing in people or investing in people to me means that you have what I didn't have in the beginning of my journey, but through the journey of understanding leadership, I learned to understand of a heart-centered approach to leadership. And once I was gifted that word heart-centered leadership, I felt so identified because prior to understanding that word, I felt 
I didn't fit in with the standard leadership model in corporate America. And I was always told that like, I needed to be less of who I am. And then once I found heart-centered leadership, I was like, I don't need to be less of who I am. I need to be more of who I am. And now I had an actual, once you Google heart-centered leadership, there's an entire world of books and ideas and philosophies. And if you've ever flown Southwest, Southwest Airlines runs on a heart-centered leadership model where they hire for heart and train for skill. They can teach someone to vacuum an airplane, but they can't teach someone to care about vacuuming an airplane. Mm. And to me, finding and connecting with that heart-centered, that part is really what I am. And to me, as you show up in a leader, being heart-centered in business first before you focus on the business is how I've always kind of led my life. Mm, I love that. And you're so right about Southwest. In fact, I used to work for a, um, a salon that said the passion has to be there first. Uh, the skill can always be trained. Yeah. So I and love that's it. not how corporate America thinks. It's, no. it's, it's finding the skill and they wonder why they got a bad dud. And me, especially, I'm a, I, I can teach myself a lot of random things. And I knew I figured that out early on. And because I do care, that was always what my driving force was. And that's usually what people recognize first was that Ben cares deeply and he can learn. And once you realize you can just teach yourself a lot of different things, you're able to focus on the people and help them learn different things and help help them learn who they are. Because when you connect with someone on the heart level, like more mountains are moved within an organization than you can at a, and just focusing on the strategy. Strategy is going to only get you so far. Mm, very true. And I love that though, the term that you use a heart centered, heart centered leader. So what was your experience with leadership before? I know you were in the Marines. So did you look at them and go, gosh, I want to be like them? Or did you look at them and go, okay, there's nothing about them that I, w- I want to be? Often, I would say going back to the Marine Corps, I, there was two fundamental things that I didn't have an understanding of psychologically that were kind of governing my behavior. And one is I didn't have a brother growing up. I had friends that mm-hmm. I considered brothers, but I never had a, like a DNA brother. Mm-hmm. And I was always kind of looking for father type figures. Now I had a father, he was a farmer and he was a good dad, but there was still something drawn. Like when I saw different people in leadership roles, and I think that's just part of a boy always looking up towards other men in general. So fatherhood figures and also brothers was kind of two fundamental things. So in the Marine Corps, I was always looking for that brother that I could kind of do life with and share my life with. But then at the same time, I was always looking for Marines at higher levels enlisted world that were kind of people that I wanted to embody or that I felt like they were helping me lead me. And there was one particular uh, staff sergeant at the time, Staff Sergeant um, Libby in Okinawa. And he really just felt like a big giant kid, but then he also had a lot of wisdom and he was always Mm. making sure you're taken care of. In Okinawa, he would always invite us over for Thanksgiving and Easter to his family. His family was our family. And we really had that family mindset transitioning out of the military, I would say I still had that, but I still struggled to find the role models that I thought that I wanted in my life or that you'd read on LinkedIn or that you'd read on in books. Like those strong leaders, that was something I was still yearning for. And it was only as I started to understand leadership inside that I was really able to understand how to find it on the outside through just making sure that you have the right tribe, making sure you work, you know, the average of the five closest people is determines mm-hmm. your life. Like focusing on those types of things yeah. wasn't something I knew right away, but through that process, I was able to like, cause in the beginning it's like, well, my circle kind of sucks. 
And, but then as you realize like, Oh, I can change my circle. That's something Mm, that I have the power to do. And then you just start networking and then your circle starts changing and your influence, your thinking starts changing, but that wasn't there right away. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I, in fact, uh, my first book, I wrote a chapter in that, like who, who are you surrounding yourself with? And I think it's Michael Hyatt or something that said that quote, the five people that you're around is, is who you're going to be like. Right. And I'm Mm -hmm. paraphrasing. Um, and so what I'm hearing is that you're really looking for mentors, you know, a leader that could be a mentor, at least guide you in a direction. And it sounds like, and I know you well enough to know that you became that leader and really became the change that you wanted to see. And there's one other version of the quote that I want to go back to that I think you would like since you all, you're into energies and different things. Yeah. I was at a trade show for trade shows in Vegas. And so there's 5,000 people there that love and eat and breathe trade shows all day long. And you could go your entire life with maybe finding one other person that's passionate about trade shows, but there, there's 5,000 people. Wow. And so what you don't realize when you're thinking about the five average people, don't underestimate the five average of, or five closest people in your life, the energies of those five people. Mm. Because when you surround yourself with high energy people, they don't even have to be like amazing type people. If they're just loving life, they live life every day, that energy will transcend. And going there to that trade show, I went there two times. Each time you just get reinvigorated. It's like PodFest, the same place. That energy is very high. It's not the average of the people, it's the average of the energy. And going in those places where your average gets elevated at a very almost like nuclear powered level, that can just move mountains for you and like power you up for the entire year. So don't underestimate the average of the five closest energies in your life, just much as the people as well. Mm, That's so true. And I love that you connected it to PodFest. And so I went to PodFest for the first time this year. However, you spoke at it at Military Mm -hmm. Creator Con. So how, how was that experience for you? Scary is like you would think it would be going up on stage, but then also it, it's a humbling experience of the work that you put in. It's a validating experience to know that like you're growing more into a person that people want. That wasn't something that I sought out. That was actually something just working relationships and having friendships with people like James Van Pruen that I met almost four years ago wow. and probably had like two or three Zoom conversations that really went nowhere other than just kind of strengthening what we were up to and just sharing what was going on in life. That friendship essentially led to the opportunity at Military Creator Con, which validates a big theory that I have on friendships and networking. Mm-hmm. Because for me, like if I were to f- f- uh, rewind back to when I was 30, when I was 30, I was out of the Marine Corps maybe four years at that point. And at that point in my life, I was super lonely. My first midlife crisis was my biggest fear that day on that year was I was going to reach the end of my life and there was going to be nobody there to say nice things. Like that mm. was what was keeping me up at night. My first daughter was born that year and it was just a scary time for me to be in. And to go from where that point is now, friendships was the one thing that helped change it. So now when I talk about friendships, I literally talk about them in a way of a contextual ship on an ocean. Mm-hmm. So the more friendships you create on your ocean of life, the more opportunity will float on a shore to you. And I also talk about networking. And so that 30-year-old person didn't talk to people, which was the one big thing that I started changing to get friends. But I have a colloquialism that I call them that the, the amount of people you talk to daily that are strangers is directly proportional to the amount of opportunity that you'll have in your life in the future. Mm. You really have to farm that equation and make sure you're investing in those random conversations with strangers, just like yeah. this conversation, us sitting down at PodFest, that deepened our connection. Yeah. And all of those different things will 
lead to bigger and better things, but you have to create those solid friendships. And the more friendships you have on your ocean, the better your life will be because more people know you exist. They're more connected to what you're doing. And that in itself just fuels that human connection desire that people have to be connected to other people. Mm, yes, yes, yes. So many nuggets in there. And, <laughs> and, and James VP is like a huge force in connecting with people. And I'm, he's a juggernaut. <laughs> He is phenomenal. And uh, I met him just last August. It hasn't even been a year yet at Podcast Movement. And um, we were talking about what I do in my coaching business and as a business consultant, he was like, Shay, have you considered working with veterans? And it was like mind blown um, (laughs) only because I had been uh, connected to vet and watching myself being connected to all these veterans on a regular basis. But and I was putting the pattern together, but I didn't figure out that final piece. And he kind of brought that final piece together. And I'm like, what? That's crazy. And so I think it was you and I in the mastermind that we're both in that didn't even know we were both in it. Yeah. And I think it was on a post about what we do. And I was like, oh, yeah, I help veterans in the transition. And he was like, "You, me too. And then, boom, that created this whole connected, yeah. yeah. And then it created the whole... Um, and then James said to me, are you going to PodFest? I think you need to be at this military creator con. And I was like, okay. And I literally made up my mind in like hours. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's jump in and sift it out later. And it's just, it was monumental. Definitely monumental, like you said. And and for one, that's not the connections, but you and I had an amazing, amazing uh, conversation and being able to really strengthen our friendship and relationship and you know, since then, totally connecting you with other people and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it's just been, you're right. It's absolutely amazing to see how, when you get connected. To that one people. friendship can literally change <laughs> the entire landscape of your life. And that's yeah. why, like when I first started uh, one of my earlier colloquialisms before I had ever find into the friendship idea was just being able to talk to people. You're always one conversation away from something amazing coming to your life yes. and you're going to miss hundred percent of those shots you don't take. And so for me, it's difficult, but I like my story of, of friendship started with talking to fellow dads at the park. Like mm. I used to go there and always see other dads playing. And if you're a dad at the park playing with your kids, you're at least trying, you may not have it all figured out, but you're at least trying. And you're yeah. like, okay, I'm gonna give my wife a break maybe and take the kids to the park. But I always wanted to say hello. And I was always too afraid. Cause I'm like, they probably had a long day, just like I did. They just want to play with their kids, leave them alone. And then one day I was like, you know what? F it. And it was kind of in this kind of pit where I was in when I turned 30 and I was like, I got to start doing something with friends. And the very, like the third dad that I talked to was an army or yeah, an army reservist up in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm. And like, we're still friends today. And I was like, wow, that just happened. And it just happened from a random conversation at the park. Yeah. And like, from there, I kind of got addicted to it. Now it's kind of like this untethered monster that drives my wife nuts because I'm talking to people in the restaurants and the waitress. And Everywhere. All these different- yeah, exactly. Airplanes. Like I, I've sat next to Marine officers randomly on the airplane and we talked for three hours. Like yeah. I could have sat next to that guy and never known that he was a Marine and never had a connection with him if I didn't say hello. And so now I talk about how the power of hello is like one of the most awesome tools you have as a leader, as a friend, as a human being, because you never know what it takes for someone to put their pants on that day. And your hello could be the one thing that changes it for them. So mm. I always try to turn that on, especially even at work. If you think of like connecting with people and leading you walking by someone in a hallway and saying hello and giving them a smile. Yes. That can change their world. Like I've been going on bike rides with my kids a lot and I'm 
almost always focusing on when there's a neighbor outside, I will always wave and give them a big smile. Or even in the car I'll, I'll, or in, when they're driving by and we're riding, I'll always give a big smile because there's something about that smile that's contagious and it almost in, like it hacks inside your soul, whether you want to receive it or not. And it starts making you feel a little bit warm inside and you never know what someone's going through. And that's how a leader needs to show up in his, especially if he's like in charge of a group or if he is the guy within a company, how you dictate and deliver happiness to people within your daily life will dictate the success of the business. Those are two proportional things. I love that. I'm going to write that down. How you dictate happiness in your life is how you dictate success. I haven't said that before. That's a pretty good colloquialism. It is. And That's I fresh hope, off the books right there. I, say, I hope you're writing a book as you're uh, <laughs> talking about the colloquialisms. I love that. So I love that you literally reached out to other dads and colloquialisms. The, the colloquialism was fresh off the books of how you dictate happiness is how you dictate success, success in your life. So are you writing a book by chance? I've started and stopped writing a book. And often what I feel like is it's not done yet. Like it, not done like because I haven't finished writing it, but not done because I haven't reached the ending of the book where I think it's something worth writing and reading. And so I, I write down several different things and I have several different chapters even written, but nothing's cohesively together. And I recently went on a six-day camping trip out in the woods where I kind of reconnected with what's what I like with uh, masculine soul. There was a book, Becoming a King, that we were reading together. And I realized through that, like my story still has more chapters and more excavation to reach. And once I feel like I get through that excavation, I feel like I'll be able to put the book together. But I feel like I have good sections and parts, let's say, but that ending where it's kind of the culmination of what my journey that's been on over the last 10 years is really going to be that pinnacle for the book isn't complete yet. But book is definitely in my in my um, in my future. Awesome. Awesome. Well, looking forward to reading it and uh, hopefully I'll get an autographed copy. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, and so um, again, because Ben and I know each other, we actually had very parallel lives growing up and, and, and in the last 10 years, it's really been this self development discovery, uncovering little things that we um, didn't know about ourselves. Right. And so I know that you mentioned, I mentioned in the bio about the seminar. So tell me what, that was and and where did that where were you before and where did that lead you to so it's an interesting story because when you, when i got out of the marine corps i was on what i call kind of the taps code which is taps is the transition assistance program which helps you leave the military and it says get a suit get an interview get job start your life and everything there should be a, a unicorn at the end of that that says this is exactly how perfect life is for you right and part of that is your gi bill it's part of why people join so I got out, I started going to college, and I loved electricity. I was generator mechanic in the Marine Corps. I worked for a generator company when I got out. Electricity seemed right up in the line, so I started going for electrical engineering. Got the general education done, and when I was in the electrical part, I realized that a love of electricity doesn't make you good at it. And when mm. I was in kind of the advanced stuff, I was good at applying it, and I was good at the labs, but the test taking, I was not good at, and I would just bomb it. Part of that was I wasn't prioritizing, and I wasn't truly like I was trying too much and not actually doing, and mm. I was going through the motions. And like a quick example could be like, once you get to a certain point in electrical engineering, it's no longer like there's a process of the calculus or algebra you have to apply. You actually have to have like an algebraic intuition because the problem in its current form isn't solvable. So you have to take this entire toolbox of the last mm. 
10 years of your algebra that you've learned Mm -hmm. and reshape the problem so that it is solvable and every problem can be different. That's really where I ran into a wall. And so I, and I also, I got a D plus in two classes, physics and an electronics course. And that really kind of was like, okay, I need to pause. And that was about 2013. And so once I did that though, I didn't fully realize, but that electrical engineering was my grass was going to get greener on the other side. Like if I can just get this degree. And at that time I was still four years away of doing it part-time still. So it was still a long road. I remember thinking like in 2016, I was like, oh, this would have been the time I would have finally graduated. Graduated, I'm like, I don't think I would have made it (laughs) because that was a long time (laughs) since I quit. Right. And once the grass dried up, I was like, well, how is my life going to get better now? That uh, that was what I was running on. That was how I was going to be able to look at my daughter and say she could be proud of me. And so mm-hmm. then afterwards, like for six months, like the grass was dead. It was brown. I'm like, what do I do now? And an, uh, a friend at work introduced Audible to me. So I started playing around with those books. And there was a Fred Pryor seminar, which is kind of like um, poor man's version for, uh, or a cheap version for self-development for a lot of employees. Mm-hmm. And it's good stuff. I've been to a couple of them. But there's one called Making the Transition from Staff to Supervisor. Nothing fancy. And I wouldn't say there's anything revolutionary about it. But there was a guy that was really good at it. And he had a golden voice where I kind of hung on to every word. Mm-hmm. And when I went in there, I kept raising my hand with the questions he was asking. And I was like, hey, I know all these answers in my head. I had just forgotten them because right. in corporate America, especially as a veteran, corporate America barely trusts you to run a copier when you're 24, let alone <laughs> try true. to run. But in the Marine Corps, you were in charge of people of 25. So like right. that shift kind of deprograms you that you have value and that you need to fall in line with the way corporate mentality is. And I lost a lot of that value of like, I'm actually a good leader. I understand these principles. Mm. I understand how to do it. I love it. One mm. of the things I remembered through that journey when I connected in that seminar was in the Marine Corps, I, I had the opportunity to be a platoon sergeant for three months. We were rotating through. And there was something that I really fell in love with was taking Marines that people had labeled just bags of crap that were not going to be Marines. They were just people they pushed aside and made fun of. They would often mm-hmm. just make do routine stuff. They would yell at them a lot and they would just give up on them. They were kind of like, this guy isn't Marine material and they would just give up on him. He would be coasting. I love taking those people, identifying the core into intuit value inside them and pulling it out when they couldn't see it themselves. Mm. And now looking back, like that's coaching, like you can yeah. see value and you pull it out. Right. And I love taking those Marines and pulling that value out and helping them identify like you're a Marine right now, whether that person over there believes it or whether you believe it, you have it inside and helping reflect back some of that value that really lit me up. And so once I went to that seminar, then I went on this and I also got introduced to the names like Zig Ziglar. I hadn't heard mm-hmm. that name before. Yeah. He was kind of my very first uh, development person I dove into. Unfortunately, it passed by the time I found him, but there's thousands of Zig Ziglar right. stuff out there. So you could, you could binge that in your entire life and not hear it all. Right. And that really opened up my world to all this information. But then I went on what would I would consider not to do a binge of over-information. I just started listening to all these books and podcasts and Mm -hmm. consuming, 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 and I wasn't doing anything with it because that led to analysis paralysis and it led to like, well, I know a lot of different things about how the heck do you decide what to do when you know all this stuff. And so it was always like, I didn't, I had like a thousand ideas of what I could do, Mm -hmm. but I didn't really know which one was the right one. And it took a lot of kind of just starting different things. I started a blog, I started writing, kind of just put 
a lot of reps into at the kind of if you think of the process of going online or being a blogger is going to the gym. Mm-hmm. I was putting a lot of reps in the gym, but not without really a goal to really where I was going. And essentially, in 2018, I went to military infantry conference with the basic idea of being a veteran dad podcast or something along the lines. Mm-hmm. I didn't fully believe it, but I had to go in there with something I was saying that I was doing. Sure. And when I told my story to a military spouse, she started crying. Wow. And I wasn't expected by that. And when yeah. that happened, I was like, because her husband came home from war, but he didn't mentally come home. He's mm-hmm. just kind of there. Yeah. And I was like, my voice, my story did that. That story, I'm not sure. I can't. I wish I could remember her name because she essentially gifted me the confidence in my sure. story and my words to start the podcast. And three months later, I launched on January 4th of 2019 with that simple mission to bring every dad home. And it's evolved kind of home is more mentally, emotionally, like helping them really come back to their family, embrace them, themselves. And it's been a journey of continuing to learn because something I started the podcast didn't know about was legacy. And through my journey, the podcast, I really fell in love with this word legacy. And it's often what most veterans don't switch is from the legacy of their service, the legacy of their family. Mm. And now legacy is something that I talk about all the time in the podcast because the legacy of fatherhood isn't something that's measured in years or decades. It's measured in generations. Mm. And if you can really create an amazing legacy of family and connection in your family of what your kids go out in the world to do, like you can move mountains 200 years in the future that you can't even see yet just by you showing up as a good dad. So like my world has just kind of deepened and deepened within that story of leadership, how to lead your life. Even in the last six months, like the story that I have had is almost unbelievable to myself because in December, I kind of recognized this idea. and I was always struggling with masculinity and how it defined me. And I really started focusing on that. I need to be able to love the person in the mirror looking back at me. Yes. And that, that self-love, because I didn't, I've always had a problem with weight. I liked who I was on the inside, but didn't like who I was on the outside. I always still saw a weak boy that would get picked on in high school. And that's all I saw. So that's all the energy. My, my energy was always capped coming outward because mm-hmm. it was always filtered through that lens of, well, I'm not really a person of value. So whatever I'm doing, mm. most people probably aren't going to want to listen. So That's I a filter a, of fear, by the way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Fear definitely. of rejection. Right. Everything. Um, Looking weak. So, yes. Yeah. So in January, I picked, a, a, I, I tried something that I haven't done before. I picked a 20, I picked a word of the year for me. And mm-hmm. so this one was believe. Believe everything you've ever needed in your life has already been inside. You just needed to believe that it was there because through the four year journey of between that seminar and that point, I was always looking for one more thing, one yeah, more sure. thing. And one more thing won't solve all your problems. Right. Uh, cliff note there. You can keep searching, <laughs> but you won't find it. Right. And once I realized it was on the inside, I was like, okay, I can do this. But then it all changed again because on January 27th, I went into work like a normal day. And at 9am, my world did change because they eliminated my position at work very suddenly, mm-hmm. didn't know it was coming. And I was like, whoa, what just happened? And so through that journey, diving d- deeper, having lots of conversations, leaning back into having conversations with friends, I got opened up to a lot of different opportunities. Now I'm going into professional speaking. COVID hits, and then I get to step into more be a dad. My kids are home. My wife is home. And then I also step into a health journey. I went on a seven day, 75 hard uh, challenge that's been going around on the internet. Mm-hmm. Like the person that she, you're looking at right now is not the same person she was talking to in March. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. My my energy is higher. And all that was, was just a journey of self-love. Like that Mm. wasn't any external things. 
And so like the last six months, my life has changed more than in the last four years because I focused on truly loving myself in the mirror, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And a lot of leaders, when they go into work, if we relate it back to people, how you show up at work, you're going to use your ego to try to project what you think people need you to be or what you feel safe being. But when you really ignore what you're afraid of in the mirror, people will see that and there'll always be those weird little moments that people are trying to like avoid or they just create conflict with that work. But that journey of looking in the mirror as you reflect on your own self will be able to transform the people around you. But it doesn't begin by focusing on them. It really begins by focusing on yourself. That's a mm. long-winded answer. I'm not even sure how what the original question was, but <laughs> that's like kind of a short story of my life in the last six years. Love it, love it, love it, love it. And yes, you answered it. It was about the seminars where you were before, yeah, there where you, you are now. That, so that yeah, one that just was completely exactly, opened up the door. It was perfect. No, I, so that's kind of why I started this podcast, right? Because it's really about investing in yourself and it just naturally overflows onto your family, your business, your community. And I've seen you in that journey. I remember when you told me, hey, I'm just getting losing my job. And I'm like, what? And so to watch you with the 70 day, 75 day challenge and, and your podcast and your everything that's grown for you. And now you're stepping into really being more of that speaker, you know, going forward for your profession. I'm, I'm honored and so proud of you as, as your friend. And I feel like I'm just getting started. Like You are. You are just getting started. And I've been going for four years. Like that's the, the illusion of life that mm. most people don't acknowledge is that they think like it's a one month thing or a two month thing. But when you focus, like one thing that has really woken up in me in the last six months is when I focused on myself, I was able to enjoy more of the process. And it was less about reaching the finish line and more about enjoying the moments that that journey created in itself. Like as long as I don't die from COVID, COVID will be the best thing that's ever happened to me because it opened up so many abundant amount of freedoms and opportunities that I've now embraced in like, even as we get back starting to school, like not having a job is giving us more options as our kids go back into school and we're able to do different things. And I've enjoyed different things with my kids this summer, not having a job. And my goal is to be a stay-at-home dad. And all of this world has created more of an opportunity for me to step more into that best self to create that life that I wanted and then enjoy the process along the way. I mean, uh, you probably have seen it. I posted some pictures on Facebook of me running with my shirt off and I can't tell you how freeing that was because I didn't realize how freeing it was going to be, but running with my shirt off was something I always saw people doing on the side of the road. And I'd be always jealous. I'm like, man, it must be nice just to kind of be free of those, those filters that, a mask that you need to put on or what mm. I felt that I needed to put on to cover up the ugliness. And I was like, man, what's it like to live without that mask on every time you go out or something I used to do when I was younger was always have a white t-shirt underneath because it always kind of made my body look better from the outside. I no longer have to do that. I just put on a medium uh, peach shirt the other day and I was like, man, it feels amazing. I don't have to put an undershirt on. And it's like that mask is no longer there. And when I went running, I felt so free and alive and I wouldn't have been able to do that unless I started stepping in on this journey. And that's the part that I've really enjoyed to this whole process Mm -hmm. is I've removed many masks and allowed more of my natural self to come up and I'm no longer filtering. I'm no longer thinking about what I'm going to say. I can just be more of me. And I think that's allowed everything in my life to increase as well. Uh, Very true. And I think you're you're absolutely right. The, The coronavirus is probably... To me, I call it the big pause or the great pause, because I think it's 
created a a space for especially heart-centered leaders like like you and like me where we're really diving into what's most important what's really um where where are we led where are we called where what is it that we're designed to do that we've been avoiding and um i love that you've had the time to really kind of deep dive and really not just think about it but you're exploring it right you're like mm-hmm. trying things on to see if this is it and uh, and i love that you're doing that so you know kudos to you there was a, a good example of i'm a big huge airplane nerd so i follow all the airplane airline news you name it and there was one article that i just read about how delta airlines is taking a different approach through covid and so united and american have both I don't know if it's fully happening yet, but they both said they're going to start adding people to the middle seats on an airplane. And there's been many studies saying that it's like you double the risk by adding the middle seat that something's going to happen on an airplane. And while American United are saying that they are pursuing profit, let's say over that middle seat or making sure that it's empty. Delta is saying that people are going to fly Delta because we chose people over profit. Yes. And we're going to continue to leave that middle seat empty because people are going to recognize that that value that we value, the human essence of what people provide. And Apple's very good at this. Microsoft's often very good at this, but Facebook is not. Facebook often pursues that profit over whatever moral objection they have to decide. Yeah. And Delta is doing the same thing. Like their moral leadership on this, that our empty seat's going to fly empty because we recognize that people fly on our airplanes. And it's similar like Southwest's model that without a heart, it's just a machine. Mm-hmm. And that's dealt like realizing that when you have people part of your business and you're focusing your messaging on the people, whether it be profit or not related, I believe in a few years, or even we'll probably be able to see it in six months, Delta will be able to show an increasing trend. And his, their CEO is sure. even predicting being able to not have to lay anybody off. Like he's that confident that people will resonate and that we're choosing to leave it empty so that you fly safe. Oh, I, that's I more powerful than saying, well, we're going to like, it's always impressive what United and American makes the headlines for because it's never positive. Right. Two years ago when people get dragged off on United or just different policies where they get in the way of people being human. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I always get really frustrated with when you, I'm sure every person listening to this has had that moment where you call a company and they say they can't do the right thing because there's a policy. Yes. That moment is the one that just makes my blood boil. Because mm-hmm. every person should be empowered to do the right thing if it feels like the right thing. Well, that's and integrity, my, right? Exactly. In my yes. life, I always say, like, if it's the right thing doing, it's the right thing to do. And you always want to try error on that one. So when someone has a policy, I'm like, just because you have a policy doesn't automatically validate it's the right decision. Right. Like, anybody can make a policy. And doesn't. And it's made, like, so high up in the executive where they don't really realize the impact. I often joke, like, when I when I'm arguing with them why their policy stinks. I'm like, somewhere in your organization right now, there's a meeting going on. People are wondering why good customers are leaving. Like right now, probably somewhere mm-hmm. in that organization, there's a meeting. Why are, we, why are good customers leaving? We just don't get it. And it's this mag micro moment right here. Yes. Right here is where you irritate customers in a way that pushes people away because you focus on the policy, you focus on the, the procedure, that it's more important to get the procedure and the policy right than it is to focus on the human element that is the right thing. And Southwest mm-hmm. does this beautifully. There's so many videos on Southwest's YouTube that immediately make me cry. One particular one that I always like telling is there was a... Uh, it was like maybe six or seven years ago when the, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan were going on for heavy. And mm-hmm. there was a soldier getting ready to fly back to 
he was on home like I two week leave. And the gate agent out front, the ticketing agent noticed they were saying goodbye. And she came over and said, let me get you a pass so you can go back and say goodbye at the gate. And they go, they, thank you. They go back, they say goodbye again. And they're crying and they're looking in the window and the gate agent was like, is there anything that I can do to make this better? And she's like, I'm not sure what you can do. My husband's going back to Iraq. And the plane had like 10 minutes before takeoff yet, before they had to push back. Mm-hmm. So the gate agent talked to the pilot and said, we got some time. The, pl- the family got to go onto the airplane one last time. They asked the guy to stand up on the airplane. The whole plane erupts in like probably, they're all bawling their eyes out at this point. Say, you're making me cry. <laughs> I get teary just telling the story. Yeah, the yeah. family goes on, they get their one last goodbye. They just made 300 customers for life. And that was about not doing the policy. That wasn't about focusing on on-time arrival. That was about focusing on the human journey that is a process the customer goes on. And, and Southwest is a great example because... They, their motto is we take people to the most important events in their life. Yeah. Planes just happens to be the vehicle they use to get them. Right. They can do the same thing with buses. And it's not about how they do it. It's about why they do it. And it's about the people. And that story is like, that story in itself is how if I ever get to be in charge of a corporation, those stories have impacted yeah. me now in my journey where I'm not using that skill now. But I definitely use that skill as a dad where I focus mm-hmm. on the people, the emotion versus doing what maybe society says is the right thing or what's maybe the code of what parenting should be doing. That in itself is how I want to lead my life when I do get into that role or when a leadership position comes into me or when, if I, when I, have, if I have to get a job again. These are the things that are embodied in who I am, but they came by excavating the internal part of me, understanding who I was, diving into heart-centered leadership and really diving in and finding that that flavor of me that I really could put my words to. Because one thing I really struggle, and I think a lot of leaders struggle, if you don't have the right vocabulary to describe what type of leader you are, you often don't feel like you fit in. Mm. And that's what the heart-centered leadership really did for me. Mm-hmm. And there was a, another beautiful example that nobody knows, but there's a book called Heart-Led Leader, which is a journey of 13 inches from your head to your heart as a leader. Mm-hmm. And it's filled with amazing stories of heart, heart-led leaders. One of them is the principal, Columbine High. So mm-hmm. after Columbine, the, sto- the story that nobody knows is that the principal took it upon himself to get every child in the school system through after that happened in the 90s. Right. And the beginning, he took a heart-centered approach from the very next school year. Mm-hmm. At the high school, they, cr- and they go into the gymnasium and they put a chain links together. Each person has a chain link and they clip them all together to symbolize that we're in this process of high school together. And if one person breaks the chain, we're no longer a single chain. And that's how Columbine happened. And now that heart-centered approach has completely revolutionized how that high school operates on a yearly basis because of how we chose to show up in the wake of a tragedy. But that story isn't something that most people know. Man, Ben, you're really bringing me to tears. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah, exactly. That's literally one of the many reasons why I really wanted to have these conversations is because... For most companies, they're looking at the bottom line of the profit, which is commendable. And of course, that's what everybody wants, right? Is a business that creates profit. And I think they're missing the mark when they leave out the people. There's so, a book, book that I've read twice now, and it really kind of sparked. It, it didn't give me the words heart-centered, but it gave me the philosophy of heart-centered or essentially mm-hmm. how the, the breakdown of Southwest. And that's The Advantage by Patrick Lucioni. And in that book, he taught me a lesson that most executives and people in business don't buy into, but I still believe it to be core. 
that profit is a measurement of you living your purpose as a business. Yes. That if you truly live your purpose, whatever that purpose is as a business, your why to exist, how is your business help make the world a better place? That profit is a measurement of how well you're aligned as an organization to your why. Mm -hmm. Not that you focus on the profit. It's a byproduct of how well you live. Yes. Well, and I think that goes to how well they invest in their people, right? And their staff, their customers, everything. Because at the end of the day, we're all in the people business. Yeah. And I think a lot of times executives forget that they're so concerned over the bottom line. It's like, okay, but how are you developing? How are you caring for? How are you really taking the moment, like you said, in the hallway to smile or to, to, to say, hey, how you doing? And really listen to that other person. And, um, you know, my last, uh, one of my uh, last p- interviews that I did la- a couple weeks ago was um, with our, our mutual friend, Adam Bird. And the one thing that you can do is to really listen, right? His way of investing in people was listen. And I completely agree just by, just by when, you know, back in March, you and I, I I just listened to you and that built this amazing friendship that we have today. So just imagine if the executives would just take a moment and see someone in the hallway and just listen five, 10 minutes. And it could be about anything like, Hey, how you doing? Maybe they're having a bad day, but they've just invested that few moments And that can literally change the course of that person's life. And it can change the course of their career. Like they may Mm -hmm. have been considering quitting, but because that person just really focused in on them and said, hey, uh, you know, I see you, I hear you, I'm listening. They might be like, you know what, I'm going to invest another 10 years. I'm going to retire here or, you know, whatever the case may be. But yeah, it's so true. I think um, most companies just miss the mark when it comes to people. There's a statistic about Southwest that often will prove this profit and why very clearly. And COVID will maybe test this, whether or not they have the same thing. But ever since like 1979 or eight, whenever they were founded, every single year they've made a profit. Even through 9-11, they've never not turned a profit. And that is a symbol to how they've created the company and how they continue to focus on it. And the customers continue to come back because they buy into what Southwest is. It's like the same reason why people buy Apple. They don't buy an app, a MacBook because they love the MacBook. They buy an Apple because they love what Apple does and how they create things. And they would buy anything that Apple creates. Which I have to say on a side note. So um, American is not fulfilling their leave out the middle seat policy because uh, in June, um, unfortunately, I um, I had a death in the family. And so I had family fly in from Florida and they said, yeah, it was a full flight, full flight. And he said, my girlfriend's out in the middle. So they're not, they're not exercising that, even though they said they would, they're not exercising it. So. And they slowly kind of pulled it back without actually making it official. And now I believe they're making it fully official that they're getting back to, and even as the world gets, we're, we're recording this in July. So the world is getting a little bit more intense with the, the cases. Right. They're still not pulling back. It's still, we're going, even United and American are both going all back to, the normal in the pursuit of profit because right right so good 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 job for southwest and delta and i can't wait to see how they how they go I will, if i have to fly like that article by itself i will connect because chicago doesn't have a true good delta hub where you can fly nonstop. but as long as corona is going on i will probably almost always fly southwest or delta right because of that exact reason because i i value my the, the idea that they value people over yes. that profit every single time yeah, I agree. I agree. So you talked about legacy. So I'm curious to know what you, Ben Colloy's legacy, what do you want to be remembered for? 
I think I want to be remembered for someone that cared when other people didn't, that was really concerned about being a friend to someone that needed it. And there's a kind of a philosophy that I focus on trying to show up as when dads reach out is I always tried to be the friend that I wish I had in my life five mm-hmm. years ago, Yeah, because that's like my perfect listener is myself five years ago. So I kind of know what that guy's thinking. I know what he's feeling. And for me, when people think of me, I want them to think of a person that just genuinely cared and was concerned about other people in a way that most people weren't. Like, I think that's what a, a lot of feedback I get when my, people come into my life or when they say something nice is they're always just like, there's something about Ben where you just can't help but feel good about yourself. Mm. I was on a podcast recently and he said the same thing that like when you're talking to Ben, like he just can't help but make you feel like a better person because it's either through a compliment or a, just something you notice, something you noticing the little things. Like I remember in the early days when I was talking to dads at the park, there was a dad who was with his younger kid at the park and his son was playing football at practice. And his son came back over and I complimented his dad in front of him. He's like, you got a really cool dad. And the smile on that kid's face when I complimented, like, wow, someone else thinks my dad's a hero just like I do. Mm. Like that little moment is kind of like how I choose to live in all the different areas, like how to elevate the people around me. And I just want to be a person that cared. I, I, I think that's, and even my kids, I want them to understand how to like give that feeling of connection and love to people that don't often get it. And that's, what you realize on this, my last six months is that journey of love mm-hmm. is 10 times stronger than the journey of fear. Yes. And often in America, even in business, fear is often the one that's ruling. But it is true that love can conquer really almost anything that you choose to fear or what you're running from or whatever it is. Like even in therapy, like loving whatever happened in your life and not choosing it's happened to you, it's happened for you. Yeah. Like how did that make you a stronger person? Like all of that, that was all love. Like I loved that I got picked on in high school because I'm a deeper person now. Right. Without that, I wouldn't be half the person I was. Wow, beautiful. So you were picked on in high school. Was there any other obstacles that you went through that you were like, you know what, I really need to to shift who I am? Probably the first one before I really knew what I was doing was the joining the Marine Corps because I would have been voted least likely to join the Marine Corps. I couldn't run. I couldn't do a pull-up. I was almost going to go into the Air Force because I just wanted computers. I was actually looking for the easy way out, I would say, and Air Force was the way I was going because I wasn't looking for the military for the military aspect. I was just looking for I wanted computers and I wanted a method to get it done. And so for me, like when I, the Marine Corps recruiter, and so that is a quick, odd story, but so I had the Air Force recruiter out. We were probably like two weeks away from joining, raised my right hand. And the day that changed my life was the church picnic that year, August of 2002. And the Marine recruiter had a bouncy house there for the kids. And I was afraid of Marines. I'd already crossed them off my list. I thought they were actually only grunts. I didn't think they actually had mm. anything other than infantry. So I was like, I don't want to be infantry. So I crossed them off. My mom's worried that I didn't explore all my options. So somehow she feels called over to go to talk to the Marine recruiter, which is the opposite of the Air Force guy. Like if she was worried about me joining, like <laughs> right. going to talk to the Marine guy is the opposite place she should go. But then I get pulled over. And next thing you know, I'm talking to him in the guidance counselor's office that next week. And then two weeks later, I'm raising my right hand for the Marine Corps. Wow. But almost out of a, a need for like just to prove that there was something like my dare to be great moment. Like I want to choose the harder path. And I was growing, I grew up on a farm, so I knew what hard work was, but I really didn't like have to choose a hard path and, or do like the hard work on something. And I felt like I need to do that. And so that moment kind of really just like, I'm going to go all in. 
And boot camp was meant a very hard mental game. I didn't have resilience. I didn't have mental, mental toughness. There was actually a moment at boot camp that I broke down and started crying because it just overwhelming what was going on. Sure. And that kind of just kind of in that moment of vulnerability, I didn't know it at the time, but like people got closer to me. Like they were like, I'm going to yes. help. And like now looking back, like that's the power of vulnerability. But yes, at the time, boot camp, like that's what you, that's, that's how you die in boot camp is you start crying. <laughs> right. uh, you learn you don't die, but yeah. that's how you're, you're, you're framing in your head. That moment in and itself helped pull back some of the, the pieces in the Marine Corps. Like the Marine Corps planted a lot of seeds, like leadership and all these different things. And when I got out, I only had one real philosophy that I was meant for something bigger and the Marine Corps was going to hold me back. Like I had felt like the Marine Corps had planted the seeds that I needed in my heart. I just needed to go through the trials of leaving and trying to step into that. And there was a 10 year gap between 2007 when I got out and really where I started to really step into this self growth journey, acknowledging these different things, really doing things that scared me or really where I started to tap into what I was probably meant to put on this earth. And, but that journey is how it had to unfold. And if it had happened any other way, I wouldn't be who I am today. Mm, so true. And, you know, I'm so glad that you did go through all that or we wouldn't have met and become exactly. friends. Like, so it's all, it's all, it doesn't happen. I mean, like it just, it's all happening for you in a way that you yes. don't always see it in the moment, but 10 years from now, there'll be a moment you're like, man, I would have, I can't imagine living without that really hard day or, a year from, even when I lost my job, I knew most immediately a year from now, this will be the best day that ever happened to me. Yeah. And I now call it my alive day, like already two weeks after when it happened. Usually before that, I would always use Zig Ziglar's better than good to answer how I was doing. Like I would always be like better than good. Like that was kind of like my way to remind myself. And then often it would cheer people up because they didn't expect it. They didn't right, expect right. the answer. So people needed to hear it more often than I did. But then after I lost my job, like instinctively, there was like two weeks after on a Monday, someone asked me and I was like, you know what? I've never been better. And so now mm. that's my answer is I've never been better because every day I get to step into a more alive version of Ben Cloy than I did at any point in my life. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, you know, that's kind of uh, what I used to say. I, and I got to get back into that. It's a good reminder. I used to say, they'd say, how are you doing? I'm like, amazing. <laughs> it's so amazing. Like, cause all of these opportunities just continue to show up when you're looking for them. They just automatically show up. And in the grocery even- store, I remember a cashier, I said it to once and she paused for a second and she was like, you know what? I'm better than good too. Like she needed it as a reminder. So like, even airports are best place. Like I used to gift it to TSA agents or mm-hmm. immigration officers who were kind of just kind of like, Oh, this is Eeyore kind of day. And when you get those people that come into their life to kind of cheer them up, like, that's that smile that I was talking about mm-hmm. in the beginning. Like you can be that person in any moment of your life. It doesn't have to be in the workplace. You practice it daily, wherever you go. It's a little bit harder during COVID, but I still always try to cheer people up wherever I'm going. Because like I said, you never know what it took for someone to put their pants on that day. Mm-hmm. So true. And you do do that every single day with your, whether it's a podcast or whether it's a blog or just whether it's a post. Mm-hmm. And so speaking of where can people find you on social media? How can they connect with you? The best social media to get a hold of me is on Instagram at Ben underscore Colloy. There's also a podcast handle at Military Veteran Dad on Instagram. I'm on all the places, Twitter and Facebook, but Instagram is the best place to instant message me. The website is MilitaryVeteranDad.com. And if there's anybody that really connected with the friendship and understanding, like they want a deeper connection with people in their life, but they are really fearful of stepping out of their shell, 
Go to freedadcourse.com because there's a free five audio lesson there on creating more friendships in your life. They're just, they're five simple lessons, 10 minutes each. There's a simple player that'll download to your phone so you can listen to it on the work or on a, on a walk. Because I really wanted something that was easy enough to hack into a busy life, but could really open up the floodgates like it did for me. Because like I said, the one thing that was a pivot point in the last five years was the ability to create friends is what's transformed everything you have you see today because there's a, a lesson that most people don't realize when they have friends or even military, you don't realize you have it, but friends become the mirror to reflect back the value that you can't see. And mm-hmm. if you don't have friends, you can't see that value and you need people to resonate. Like when I bring people into my life, they resonate and they bring something back to me that I couldn't see of who right. I was right. like a professional speaker. I didn't have that ambition. Like it was reflected back to me that you have a way with words and emotions and you gift people the ability to feel things that they haven't felt in maybe forever. Mm-hmm. That feedback allowed me to step into it. Not something mm-hmm. that I'd figured out Love on my it. own. Yeah. It was friends becoming the mirror to your life. And that is something that most people are missing. And if they feel stuck, it's often because they don't have people reflecting back what makes them an amazing human being. Mm, I love that. So just give the websites one more time, militaryveterandad.com. Militaryveterandad.com and the audio course for friendships is at freedadcourse.com. Mm, I love it. And I'll have those in the show notes as well. So Ben, it is amazing. It's always a pleasure to, to chat with you, whether it's in a text message or in over Zoom so or in person. And hopefully we'll get back to in person again. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you as well. And if there's anybody that, if if you're lonely out there, you need a friend, reach out because friendship is the one thing that I offer free of charge. I love getting emails. I love having conversations. I recently connected with a dad maybe about a month ago. He was posting in a Facebook group that he was separating from his wife or his wife asked for a separation. And I was like, hey, if you're up to talk to a random guy on the internet you've never met before, I'm open to have a conversation. We talked for an hour and a half. And a couple of days later, I checked with him and he gave me the feedback that another example of feedback, that was the most powerful conversation I've ever had in my life. Mm, love and it. you don't get that feedback unless you reach out. You don't get that feedback unless you step into who you are, but it all began with friendship. So if any part of this resonates and you want to have a conversation about anything, please reach out. I'm, not, I'm an open book. I love having conversations. So reach out. Thank you. And I always like to leave with this question. What phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? I am on the current mantra to become a king within my kingdom. And my kingdom is my family where I have the most influence. And I want to be the man that allows our family to lead into the future in a very strong and loving way. Mm, Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And you definitely are that king. So thank you for being with us. Thank you. Don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.